Arbit feature take pressure is Victor Acevedo. This episode was originally recorded on June twenty second. Our regular take pressure is salon virtual meeting, hosted by Davanti and Colleen Gober. I'm Giovanna. I'm the host of Artbit. We interview artists and talk about art. Open for collaborations, partnership, and sponsorship. Email me at doublewoman at gmail dot com. Anyway, um, Victor, I think we can go ahead and get started with your presentation. So you have the floor. Okay, great. Well, yeah.、Uh, thanks from so much for this opportunity to speak to you all. It's、uh, really、uh, exciting for me and a great honor.、Uh, so I'll jump right into sharing my screen. And、uh, well, actually, before I let's see. Yeah, I guess I could do that.、Uh, well, actually, before I do that, I would just want to say that I'm gonna. Kind of do a PowerPoint based on a book that I'm producing, which is a career survey of 43 years, going from analog to digital art.、Uh, so I'm just going to kind of jump through the book,、uh, kind of starting、uh, maybe 20% into into it、uh, for this particular chronology.、Uh, so let me share screen, and I'll show you the cover of the book. Hopefully it'll be out like at the end of the year, November or December. I mean, it'll be it's a self-published、uh, print book ago, and so you get a, a sense of it.、Uh, it's a 400-page book.、Uh, it has four contributing authors, and it goes from it says traditional media and digital media. And to give you a more exact、uh, breakdown of my timeline,、uh, from 77 to 87 is analog art. Traditional media, painting, drawing, and film, which I studied at art school, art center, college of design, and then there's an overlap in '83. I started、uh, with digital art,、uh, first tentative steps、uh, with the PC revolution when the desktops started coming in. Coming in, but also I did take a, a class with a、uh, like a, a little bit of programming with、uh, Tony Longson, and that was a pre-PC. But that was in '84. So, but anyway, from '83 to 2007, I was primarily focused on digital、uh, prints, archival inkjet, and photo prints. And then,、uh, from 2007 to present, I've been getting into time-based works, focused mostly on what I call electronic visual music, which is an update for me of visual music of, the, of that idiom and that that. Is expressed in digital video, and then I take still images, selected still images from some of the videos, and issue those as digital prints now. So my, I'm plucking my still images from the time-based work. At this point, I just wanted to show what, a couple of few、uh, influ- images from that time that、uh, represent where I was at right before I learned about computer graphics, as they called it in those days. So about 1980, I was assimilating my influences, which were Dali. You know, there's a sort of allegorical surrealism, and there was、uh, M. C. Escher、uh, was a big influence. And this is student work, but I wanted. It was also the age of neo-expressionism, late 70s and early 80s, and I love the calligraphic work of Mark Tobey and, of course, Jackson Pollock on a larger scale. So that's in here too. So it's kind of a, an amalgam of these different 
uh, modalities of, of mark making or art making or drawing. So, so I like the idea of art and geometry, you know, a la MC Escher. So that kind of like had me presupposed to tune into computer graphics. I'm, I'm, okay, so I was taking, uh, I took this class by Gene Youngblood, who was teaching at Art Center, and it was based on his uh, book called Expanded Cinema. And this was 19, I took it twice because I loved this class so much. It was 1980 and 1981. And it was based on Expanded Cinema that he published in 1970, about 10 years earlier. But what he had in there was amazing, still very new to a lot of people. And uh, he was adding to it. He was carrying on where Expanded Cinema left off. And uh, so there I learned for the first time about computer graphics and uh, Gene would show a lot of different videos and uh, some animations and some video art. And I, I saw Sunstone by Ed M. Schwiller. Uh, and that just blew my mind. I go, wow, this is the future. This is time-based painting. You know, it's something beyond just video. You know, it's, it's this uh, computer graphics, but it can be conveyed in, the, in video format. So those of you, many of you may know Sunstones from 1979. That really just changed my life. And uh, let's see, I have it here that he also worked with Alvy Ray Smith, Lance Williams and Garland Stern to, to work that out at the Computer Graphics Laboratory at NYIT. Uh, also, he talked about, he shared the work among many others of Woody and Stena Vasuka, and their work was really mind blowing. Because I was, you know, I was a traditional media, analog media, fine art major doing painting and drawing and so a little bit of film, super eight film. But to, to get exposed to what they were doing, Woody and Steina, like uh, it was am amazing to me. And it was like really the future and seeing this toggling of uh, on and off uh, imagery that was like Escher's tessellations, but in electronic form. And it was video, abstract video generated with by noise or other sounds uh quasi musical sounds and and things like that but composed and very uh very elegant so their work was really important so that planted a seed i didn't get right into digital immediately because at art center at the time they had no classes this is right before classes in digital practice were being offered at most colleges and universities uh, so after I left school, I was seeking it out. And by, uh, well, 1983, I started taking workshops. 83, I don't really have, uh, I took a workshop with Frank Dietrich. Many of you know him from the history of uh, computer art or computer graphics. Anyway, this is about the most earliest uh, image I have accessible to me in 1985 is this paint uh, system work. Uh, it's a freehand drawing using uh, the true color paint system on the, off the target card on a PC. That's from 1985, just a crop. There's me in 85, working on the Cubicom system on a PC clone. There's some other uh, croppings of that. And the thing about the Cubicom, uh, it, it was quite sophisticated in at the time because it was a, a animation and modeling software and it allowed you to offload to videotape one frame at a time to to make animations 
and it, so it could, you could do 3D modeling. So here's an example of early, is this a collaboration with a friend of mine, Stuart McSherry, and it's kind of a virtual sculpture of these uh, pentagonal dodecahedra that are kind of fused face-to-face -face in an array. Okay, maybe try to speed up a little. Um, so this, this frame kind of shows you the, that bridge for me, my personal bridge going from analog media into digital. So in analog, I had a relationship with photography, you know, as the source, source image, and I would translate it, you know, into a drawing just to kind of distill it down to a linear rendering of the photographic scene. And that went into a, uh, went into a painting. I, I, it's been so long ago, I may have projected the drawing onto the, onto the canvas first, you know, trace that and then started painting and filling in. And this is a, a piece called ectoplasmic kitchen. And, uh, I was experimenting at the time with, uh, an overlay of a space frame. And this comes from my interest in R. Buckminster Fuller. He talks about the isotropic vector matrix, which is an all space filling network of tetrahedra and octahedra. And this is actually an unfinished piece because by 83, I was getting, I was basically dipping into computer graphics. So it became less interesting to me. And by 84, I had dropped virtually dropped analog media completely, except for a couple of other things, maybe in 87 was the last time I actually painted something in acrylics. So I started, so the digital art practice started coming up and this is what I've kind of started doing at first was um, revisiting subjects that I had done in analog media. And this is an example of that. This is that same scene rendered in a uh, illustrator like application called artworks which ran on the pc and it was a two and a half d vector based uh, system this is an early version of that so you've got your uh, space frame stuff happening but kind of in a loose expressive way and this is my favorite version of this image from this series which was called the ectoplasmic kitchen series and it's a distillation of uh, of variations of the image and it has a spherical domain coming from Buckminster Fuller the great circles and it has uh, these eumorphic tessellations influenced by Escher and uh, so they're they're in there and of course you know figuration and what that may convey there's the one without the uh, tessellations there's another variation so I would just kind of spontaneously do a lot of variants because I was just really learning the tool, new tool set I had this experience of like almost starting from scratch, building on the, what I had done in analog, but I really was, uh, had to learn, learn this new tool set, but I was excited because I knew the potentialities having taken uh, Gene Youngblood's class. Okay, so let's see, I have my notes here and I'm gonna jump ahead to another work. So this is a piece, uh, I wanted to kind of share this, uh, my working method at the time. And I would just kind of jam on an image. You know, I have this photograph that I liked as a starting point. And I would just kind of add to it. So it was kind of a hybrid from the, of photography and uh, computer graphic elements. And it was kind of just finding my way and it turned out, you know, it becomes very sort of an expressionist uh, 
approach to things. And then the geometry was really important to me in terms of, uh, my, based on my influences of Fuller and Escher. And then I went from polygons to polyhedra. Polygons were the zoomorphic tessellation of Escher and the polygon, uh, polyhedra of uh, all space filling uh, phenomena as talked about through Fuller's writings. You know, synergetics is important. So I went through different iterations, not always successful for me at the time. Uh, then I arrived at this. This is what at the last minute uh, I combined this figure here at the right from the original starting photograph with this other completely different photograph and then added this uh, I think it's called a triacontahedron that I built in the Cubicomp. And then I had these kind of like uh, painterly digital brushstrokes, but the whole, being a painter, it was natural for me, the notion of brushstrokes and digital mark making to kind of uh, add some intensity to the image, graphical uh, intensity as I saw it, you know, make it a little, add more interest to it. Okay, so then, uh, well, this just leads right on to early 89, 91. So this is another piece of soon after that, I got access to a geodesic modeler still on the Cubicomp. And this stuff is pretty low res. I really didn't understand resolution, to be honest, back in these days. Uh, but, you know, I just, I did what I could, but it's, it's fun. These are still fun for me to look at. And then, uh, as Cubicomp as a hardware, as a software got more sophisticated, you know, it had texture mapping and reflectance mapping. So I, I would kind of start experimenting with that. And this is kind of like this chaotic amalgam of zoomorphics texture mapped on a sphere. And I've got these uh, Mandelbrot uh, sets here, kind of act, acting as sort of metaphorical shadows to this sphere, if you will. And most of the work has been, uh, for, for a long time, the work was really figuration and abstraction combined. Later, you'll see that I got into pure abstraction. Uh, this is a hybrid workflow. You know, here's an example of, uh, you know, ink on paper making uh, a zoomorphic tessellation. And I, I used open pact. I, unlike Escher, I wanted to do something different than him. So I allowed the interstitial uh, non-objective shapes to uh, to remain and, and allow that, that that also to be periodic. So from there, I could add those in to build that same 2D uh, image and insert it into the photographic space. And that's what these were about. There's another one using. So I would kind of mix and match with the different co assets, components of the graphical either 3D models or photographs, et cetera, to build compositions. Uh, okay, let's jump ahead to another uh, one. So you get a, a sense of the development of my work over time. This is also shows a, uh, a sequence of development from the original photo and, and how I'm added, uh, intervened with the photograph. So here's a piece, it's one of my favorites still it's called February 29th, 1993, sort of a psychedelic piece. And I was honored at the time that it was put on the cover of this Japanese magazine called Pixel. Some of you may remember this from the 90s. It was very, very a big magazine at the time. So that, that was cool. That was a great honor. That was fun. Uh, there's a 
earlier version of this. Uh, okay. Some of these I can just go right up to. And this is a, a fun piece uh, called NYC 8385. And before I moved to New York in 1995, and I was there until early 2009, so almost 14 years, uh, on my visits prior to them, I, 93, 94, uh, you know, I was kind of gradually getting into the scene there. And this is from actually uh, 1993. It was based on a party in, in New York, kind of an art party with a surrealist uh, interpretation, of course. Uh, these are some others. Okay. Now, you know, jumping to, uh, this is a piece called Skull. And this is a, a little different approach. Uh, this is using 3D models, uh, like found objects of a human skull and a deer's head and some other uh, designs. And this is from 1994, so we're into the 90s now. And now uh, this also, let me jump ahead for a moment, uh, was picked up as the cover of, or used for the cover of Leonardo in September of 2001, volume 34, number four. So that was a, a, a great honor at the time. Um, so I was kind of like riffing on the skull model, which I really liked, right? So this is a piece called X Hour and just kind of playing with some uh, uh, bilateral symmetry and composing this uh, image and using the, you know, surrealism is always, always present in, in most of these works. So there's a, a variation of that. This is called Tavern Mirror and uh, referring to the mirror, mirror reflection. Okay. So Davo, let me know if when I have just five minutes left, because I'll immediately jump to the videos, which are all very short, but I, I don't want to, you know, miss out on showing some of those. Oh, no, you're fine. Don't, don't even worry about that. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, cool. Cool, thanks. Uh -huh. So uh, when I moved to New York in uh, 95, after getting my bearings, uh, you know, I first became an uh, art, artist in residence at the School of Visual Arts, and I had some contacts there. And... Uh, I got access to the soft image lab and I had even in LA, uh, by 93, I had migrated from Cubicomp into soft image, uh, which then again was more powerful and more refined as a software. Uh, so carrying on with my workflow of, uh, building geometrical models and structures that kind of articulate, they weren't just models in there for their own sake, but they were part of this, structural field or aggregates or subsets of a potential structural field. Uh, and they could be like objects, large metal objects in their own right. And then later I'd insert, insert them into compositions. Like this is a, a piece many of you may know. Uh, it was shown at the SIGGRAPH art show in 1998. It's called the Lace Maker. And it was based, uh, influenced by uh, Johannes Vermeer's same title painting the lace maker and but it wasn't intentionally posed or anything you know it's purely spontaneous I was a new at a New Year's Eve party and this woman had was trying to reassemble a little necklace that had come undone 
and she was just there concentrating on that and i just thought in the instant she looks like the lace maker you know and i had a camera in hand so i snapped the picture and that's how that came to be and kind of in that same period this grave geometry period as i call it informally another piece called the violist and this guy is a uh, Keith Berry, I'll look at the text to prompt me on the names. This is Keith Berry, he's a violist uh, that he played with the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and he was good friends of school, friends of, of all the guys in that band. They came up together, but he also had his side projects and uh, this is him at a moment I went to a gig and he was playing at. And I've since, uh, met him again many many years later and i gave him a copy of this he was happy to see it okay so let me jump ahead uh these are collaborations with photographer and here's you know the space frame concept that i i've kind of talked about here and there and here's that network again of octahedra and tetrahedra this is mostly just the octahedron so it's kind of an expressive use of this uh field geometry and the way it interfaces with, with figures. So in New York about, uh, I think it was 95, I first met Billy Name, Billy Name Linick, who many of you know from the, the Andy Warhol scene. He was the uh, factory manager and photographer for Andy from 1968 to uh, maybe 70, I'm sorry, 63. 1963 to about 1970. So um, anyway, I met him informally and well, he started showing again. I went to his one of his shows and uh, we hit it off and he liked what I was doing. He liked this silver geometry. So we just, uh, I asked him, hey, would you be interested in collaborating? You know, and much to my surprise, he said, sure. You know, so he allowed me to, uh, he lent me some of his negatives, if you, if you can believe that, to to scan, so and this is Bob Dylan from uh, one of from one of Andy's Warhol screen tests, Edie Sedgwick, kind of a production still from a movie, I believe it was called Vinyl. And this is uh, three uh, three superstars. Uh, forgetting their names right offhand. Let's see, uh, Viva, International Velvet, and Ultraviolet, uh, left to right there and this was actually billy name's favorite of the ones i did and then later uh, you know i hadn't i found this image in it, and i just recently sort of brought this forward and completed it you know uh, maybe a month or so ago but i hadn't really finished it and this was a fun photo for me to work with i like the idea of uh warhol actually working the camera and you know right on the front lines of making art and this is from this is out on the east hampton uh making a film there i was trying to find the exact title but so anyway yeah and then here's another um piece uh that i that i still like from a long time ago 1998 this is called sunburst couple and for me it has a nice balance between the uh the geometry, the field of geometry and the figures. They're kind of turned down in the mix, but somehow it, it 
it works well for me. There are some others. This is kind of a little bit of an outside move, but fun. This is called Millennium Epicenter from 1999. Uh, let's see. I guess we can jump ahead. This was also in the back of Leonardo. This is called 4D Memory Cluster. I go a little fast and then just interest of time. So forgive me if I'm going too fast on some of these uh, page turns. Uh, this is one called uh, A Glass of Wine with Harry, one of my old friends. Uh, and this is from about uh, 2000. So you could see my metaphor was pretty much in place very early on, decades before, but I just kept kind of refining it and, and wanting to make it articulate it further and have more poetic presentations of the metaphor, which is kind of a human moments, a genre scenes that are taking place in what one could call the void matrix or the void plenum, which is a concept that I got from reading in the late seventies, uh, Fritzhoff Coppra's The Tao of Physics. Uh, some of you may know that book. And that's one of the metaphors that comes forward in that book from Eastern mysticism, but also uh, the descriptions of reality by some atomic Western physicists. Let's linger on this one a little bit more. So this is a variation. So, still doing variations at times this this one on the left got more uh play if you will uh, you know more people saw it at the time and then this one was put off to the side but then i rediscovered i go yeah that's not so bad let's bring that forward <laughs> this uh eric and orance portrait of my brother and i'm gonna zoom in here which is something i can do with uh easily with indesign get an idea of that. Oops, okay. There we go. All right. Uh, so we're still in the uh, digital print fa phase. Some other images. These were shown at the SIGGRAPH art show in 2003. And you can find these whenever they're in the SIGGRAPH art show, you can find them in the SIGGRAPH archive, which has been published online. This is called uh, What's So Different About Today's Inner Child? And it was kind of a play on that famous uh, Richard Hamilton's seminal 1956 pop, master, pop art masterpiece that was entitled just what just what was it that made yesterday's homes or today's home so different so appealing there might be a typo there <laughs> so what's so different about today's inner child a few more portraits a friend of mine uh, you can kind of see in hard copy you know the book will be you could kind of view it as uh you know a two-up display that so so this starts uh 2007 and what i have in the book are stills from time-based pieces this is a uh, visual music at this time when i first started in what i call visual music or you know it's in a known unknown form form idiom it has its own history a lot of amazing work's been done under that rubric 
uh, I thought of it as visual music as well, and I was happy to be under that, in that category in my Tongbish work, because I thought, you know, it's it's kind of like the uh, outgrowth of my steel imagery. It combines geometry and figuration, and but the geometry is animated now. So these are a, a dance study. Okay, so I'm going to kind of speed through some of these. Uh, many of these are from actual short video pieces, but I like the notion that they, the still images, certain particular stills from the uh, time-based works could stand on their own as single image compositions. So this is from the teens now, this is 2013. So everything here has a life, life in two domains in the animated there's the uh, famous, what's called the Buckyball, Buckminster Fullerene. Uh, I think it's called a truncated icosahedron, or I don't remember exactly the name of that. It's a fun form to work with. And this, this piece here, which was called Fourfold Access, is a, uh, brings imagery from my traditional media period in, into the digital domain and, and uh, video domain as well as some earlier pieces, still digital art pieces. So that was kind of fun. So this is pretty recent, 2019. And these are stills from a piece called Proxima Nova. And this is from 2020, uh, Red Shadow. So sort of surreal. So those are, these are some of the last two. Let's take a look at these again. So these are, you know, uh, models built primarily in soft image. I'm getting into cinema 4D now slowly, but working on the book has kind of stopped my forward moving progress. It's, I've been working on the book for about three years, maybe four, but I thought it was important to, to put this all together. I'm gonna close this out just the InDesign part of it. And I'd like to show you some videos. How, how are we doing? We have a little bit, more time? Hey, we, we have uh, more time. Okay, cool. <laughs> Great. I have to ask because I don't want to, you know, I lose track of time being in the flow. Oh, no, you're, you're fine. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, let's see. So, oh, it's right here. Okay. So I have two versions of this video, and these are kind of shortened versions of them. And uh, this is, the original name is called Anonymous Real Time. And this first one is called the Ambient Anonymous Real-Time. And this is actually uh, up a version very close to the one I'm going to show you is up on OpenSea's now, OpenSea as an NFT. So I have these two videos up on OpenSea, and I have still images. So I'm kind of test, testing the waters in the NFT world with, with this kind of uh, work. It's kind of an ambient piece.
that show, uh, I collab I've collaborated a lot with uh, a guy called Chris Holland, who Chris Holland, who is a uh, electronic musician, primarily focused on uh, circuit bending and other uh, modalities for generating sort of like hybrids of the part of music that dabble goes into the noise spectrum but kind of uh, musical noise if you will and all the that whole library of potentiality that comes out of that end of the spectrum and this next piece he's playing the soundtrack live it's the same imagery and it's the original version of this piece called anonymous real time he likes to wear a mask when he performs live so i had this I go, well, yeah, he's having fun and he's being anonymous here. So anonymous real time. Okay, so I was taking, uh, I took this class by Gene Youngblood who was teaching at Art Center. And it was based on his uh, book called Expanded Cinema. And this was 19, I took it twice because I loved his class so much. It was 1980 and 1981. And it was based on Expanded Cinema that he published in 1970, about 10 years earlier. but what he had in there was amazing still very new to a lot of people and uh he was adding to it he was carrying on where expanded cinema left off and uh so there i learned for the first time about computer graphics and uh gene would show a lot of different videos and uh some animations and some video art and i i saw sunstone by ed m schwiller uh, and that just blew my mind. I go, wow, this is the future. This is time-based painting. You know, it's something beyond just video. You know, it's, it's this uh, computer graphics, but it can be conveyed in, the, in video format. So those of you, many of you may know Sunstones from 1979. That really just changed my life. And uh, let's see, I have it here that he also worked with Alvy Ray Smith, Lance Williams, and Garland Stern to, to work that out at the Computer Graphics Laboratory at NYIT. Uh, also, he talked about, he shared the work, among many others, of Woody and Stena Vasuka, and their work was really mind-blowing. Because I was, you know, I was a traditional media, analog media, fine art major, doing painting and drawing, and so, a little bit of film, super eight film, but to, to get exposed to what they were doing, Woody and Steinup, like uh, it was am amazing to me. And it was like really the future. And seeing this toggling of uh, on and off uh, imagery that was like Escher's tessellations, but in electronic form. And it was video, abstract video generated with by noise or other sounds, uh, quasi-musical sounds and, and things like that, but composed in very, uh, very elegant. So their work was really important. So that planted a seed. I didn't get right into digital immediately because at Art Center at the time, they had no classes. This is right before classes in digital practice were being offered at most colleges and universities. Uh, so after I left school, I was seeking it out. And by uh, well, 1983, I started taking workshops. 83, I don't really have, uh, I took a workshop with Frank Dietrich. Many of you know him from the history of uh, computer art or computer graphics. Anyway, this is about the most earliest uh, image I have accessible to me in 1985 is this paint 
uh, system work. Uh, it's a freehand drawing using uh, the true color paint system on the, off the target card on a PC. That's from 1985, just a crop. There's me in 85, he's working on the Cubicom system on a PC clone. There's some other uh, croppings of that. And the thing about the Cubicom, uh, it, it was quite sophisticated in at the time because it was a, a animation and modeling software and it allowed you to offload to videotape one frame at a time to, to make animations. And it, so it could, you could do 3D modeling. So here's an example of early, is this a collaboration with a friend of mine, Stuart McSherry? And it's kind of a virtual sculpture of these uh, pentagonal dodecahedra that are kind of fused face to face in an array. Okay. Maybe try to speed up a little. Um, so this, this frame kind of shows you that bridge for me, my personal bridge going from analog media into digital. So in analog, I had a relationship with photography, you know, as the source, source image, and I would translate it, you know, into a drawing just to kind of distill it down to a linear rendering of the photographic scene. And that went into a, uh, went into a painting. I, I, it's been so long ago, I may have projected the drawing onto the, onto the canvas first, you know, trace that and then started painting and filling in. And this is a, a piece called ectoplasmic kitchen. And, uh, I was experimenting at the time with, uh, an overlay of a space frame. And this comes from my interest in R. Buckminster Fuller. He talks about the isotropic vector matrix, which is an all space filling network of tetrahedra and octahedra. And this is actually an unfinished piece because by 83, I was getting, I was basically dipping into computer graphics. So it became less interesting to me. And by 84, I had dropped, virtually dropped analog media completely, except for a couple of other things. Maybe in 87 was the last time I actually painted something in acrylics. So I started, so the digital art practice started coming up and this is, what I've kind of started doing at first was um, revisiting subjects that I had done in analog media. And this is an example of that. This is that same scene rendered in a uh, illustrator-like application called Artworks, which ran on the PC. And it was a two and a half D vector-based uh, system. This is an early version of that. So you've got your uh, space frame stuff happening, but kind of in a loose, expressive way. And this is my favorite version of this image from this series, which was called the Ectoplasmic Kitchen series. And it's a distillation of, uh, of variations of the image. And it has a spherical domain coming from Buckminster Fuller, the great circles. And it has uh, these eumorphic tessellations influenced by Escher. And uh, so they're, they're in there. And of course, you know, figuration and what that may convey. Here's the one without the uh, tessellation. Here's another variation. So I would just kind of spontaneously do a lot of variants because I was just really learning the tool, new tool set. I had this experience of like almost starting from scratch, building on the what I had done in analog, but I really was uh, had to learn learn this new tool set. But I was excited because I knew the potentialities having taken uh, Gene Youngblood's class. Okay, so let's see. Uh, I have my notes here. 
and I'm gonna jump ahead to another work. So this is a piece uh, I wanted to kind of share this, uh, my working method at the time. And I would just kind of jam on an image. You know, I have this photograph that I liked as a starting point. And I would just kind of add to it. So it was kind of a hybrid from the, of photography and uh, computer graphic elements. And it was kind of just finding my way and it turned out, you know, it becomes very sort of an expressionist uh, approach to things. And then uh, the geometry was really important to me in terms of, uh, my, based on my influences of Fuller and Escher. And then I went from polygons to polyhedra, polygons with a zoomorphic tessellation of Escher and a polygon, uh, polyhedra of uh, all space filling uh, phenomena as talked about through Fuller's writings, you know, synergetics is important. So I went through different iterations, not always successful for me at the time. Uh, then I arrived at this, this is what at the last minute, uh, I combined this figure here at the right from the original starting photograph with this other completely different photograph, and then added this, uh, I think it's called a triacontahedron that I built in the Cubicomp. And then I had these kind of like uh, painterly digital brushstrokes, but the whole being a painter, it was natural for me, the notion of brushstrokes and digital mark making to kind of uh, add some intensity to the image, graphical uh, intensity as I saw it, you know, make it a little add more interest to it. Okay, so then, uh, well, this just leads right on to early, 8991. So this is another piece of soon after that, I got access to a, a geodesic modeler still on the Cubicomp. And this stuff is pretty low res. I really didn't understand resolution, to be honest, back in these days. Uh, but, you know, I just, I did what I... Thank you for listening. My name is uh, Giovanna Sun. I'm the host of Arbit. See you next time.